Hello, and welcome to episode 119 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the ridiculous yet nostalgic. This week, we're going to be talking about Wayne's World 2 on your I Like Them Teeny and Toasty podcast. I'm Mandy Kay, and when I'm not being annoyed by the patriarchal standards of 90s flicks, you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Bose, and I'm now back in your ears weekly. You do not have to miss us at all. We are back on the regular schedule. Yay! That life, that life thing, pause, back into podcasting. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Every week now, movies, movies, movies. Absolutely. Well, we've got some exciting things lined up, so we're going to have a chat at the end about them. Because um, we've got a film to talk about. Is that Boy, what howdy. Is? What a film have we got to talk about. Oh, this is going to be a thing. Oh, Lord. Um, but we had to do it. Yeah, j- just for people who listen to the, the Endgame podcast we released a while back, this is the weekend we talk about. So there's a little bit of kind of excitement in the air of like, oh, if we can get through this film, we can talk about Endgame. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so we should so, probably apologize for yeah, this episode. So- Sorry if this is 23 minutes of us going, yeah, it was a film. Cool. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, oh, it's always weird on a sequel when I have to say, you know, why did you never watch this? But you're, you're feeling on, you know, this and the first one. Why, why have you not seen the Wayne's World duology? I mean, I didn't watch SNL growing up. I kind of started knowing it was a thing in high school, but I was still very much in my I hate stupid humor and all of SNL fell into that purview for me. I was mm. so painfully misguided back then. I know that. Don't <laughs> add me, you guys. Um, and then I couldn't watch this one after I watched the first one because, you know, we do sequels on the show. So I had to wait until it was time to talk about it here. So now I have seen this one. Okay. Well, just to uh, bring everyone to speed, they've not heard the first one, which might be weird, but fine. You know, people can yeah. listen in any order they want. Absolutely. Um, why, what were your, ugh, not why, I don't know why I'm asking why, what, what were your feelings on Wayne's World 1? I very surprisingly loved Wayne's World 1. It it mm-hmm. had some weird bits to it, you know, it was crude in places, but overall I was on board with most of the humor and I really dug the nostalgia of it and getting to see like the, the Chia Pack commercials and, you know, the Doritos <laughs> yeah. product placement and the Reeboks and, you know, just all of the stuff that happened. Plus Evil Rob Lowe was great. It, it was fun. And I mm. enjoyed that experience. And, and it added a lot to our lexicon and to our style and things at the time in the mainstream, so... Yeah, it's definitely a movie that I think everybody should watch if Mm. you're going to talk about film or if you're going to be interested in film at all. You know, Wayne's World is iconic. Okay. So before we talk about this one, do you want to give us a bit of history about the production? Well, Wayne's World 2 is the 1993 sequel to Wayne's World, the film adaptation of an SNL comedy sketch. It stars Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Tia Carrera, and Christopher Walken. Originally, Meyer's script was based on the 1949 British comedy Passport to Pimlico and had Wayne and Garth forming their own country and seceding from the U.S. after finding an ancient scroll. However, Myers hadn't told anybody he based it on another film, so production had to be halted once the studio discovered it since they didn't have the rights to the original film. Mike Myers was kind of in trouble and he had to produce a new script very quickly. 
This movie received mixed reviews from critics, and while it did bring in more at the box office than its budget, it was a far cry less than the original film's gross of over $100 million, and it was also released against blockbusters like Mrs. Doubtfire, Schindler's List, and The Pelican Brief. Yeah, this is quite a famous story in in film circles, the the, the production of, of Wayne's World 2. Um, there, there's a whole slate of things in, in the run-up to them actually getting to that point of production. Renegotiating contracts and rushing it to get it developed as soon as possible. Um, I think there was like a new studio head at Paramount, so they wanted to you know, make their mark and get lots of uh, big sequels out really quickly. And then you get to this point where... They based the script on a uh, previous film, which I've actually seen. Like, Passport to Pimlico is a very funny film, surprisingly. Um, And I've seen it because of this story. Uh, It came on Amazon Prime once. I went, oh, yeah, I'll watch that. Um, It is is very funny. Very of its time, but very good. And the idea is absolutely solid for what would have been the film. But when they found out... Uh, the the story goes, the head of the studio threatening to sue Mike Myers, causing him to almost have a breakdown over it, them having to destroy some of the sets they built. They, they've gone really quite far into production. It wasn't just they'd started hiring and setting up. They They were about to film this thing. Yeah, I saw a quote from the director saying that he could literally hear chainsaws being taken to the sets. Yeah. Crazy. And so... They then get in this scriptwriter to come and work with them, and it's basically, you are going to live with whatever we give you. Just work with them, get a thing done, get a film out. That makes a lot of sense for what they actually put together. Yeah, there are times this is cobbled, and it's just, oh, it's an idea. It doesn't have to link to anything. Let's just right. get it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is it about? Give us a synopsis. Okay, well, my synopsis is very different than the IMDb synopsis. <laughs> Okay, which one are you kicking us off with? Mine, of course. Yeah. Wayne is visited in a dream by Jim Morrissey while trying to figure out what to do with his life, resulting in wacky hijinks and an Aerosmith concert. Yeah? I mean, yeah, that's pretty straightforward, right? Hmm. IMDb says the inseparable duo try to organize a rock concert while Wayne must fend off a record producer who has an eye for his girlfriend. Also true? True, but not quite the same spirit of the movie no. i think i think i think we'll return a bit to the difference between the two a bit later on uh, how were you able to watch this one is it available anywhere over there on streaming it can be rented on amazon it's not part of amazon prime but you know like three bucks you can still watch it but i didn't have to do that joseph owns this one he owns the collection of wayne's world and wayne's <laughs> world 2 <laughs> nice um, and I, if I remember correctly, you do own these because you love Wayne's World, the first one. Yes, I, I, I have the box set. It's one DVD that holds two, one, one case that holds two DVDs. Um, but it is available on Sky Cinema. And like you, you can rent it on different sites. Awesome. Hmm. Um, this film has the inclusion of Crystal Walken. Rob Lowe turned down the, the opportunity to come back for this film. Uh, they wanted Rob Lowe to come back and play a different character, but just not explain it. And he thought, no one's going to understand that. Oh, Which that would have been amazing. I, I, I think, you know, <laughs> time has proven him wrong that the audiences are smart enough to deal with that sort of thing. Right. But Christopher Walken, I can't remember if we've seen him at all on the show before. I can't believe we've gone this many episodes without seeing him. So what's your experience of Christopher Walken? More cowbell. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Right, okay. I mean, 
Doesn't everybody know Christopher Walken because of more cowbell? Well, if you live in, you know, the one or two countries that enjoy SNL, maybe. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, I actually, I looked it up because I wasn't sure when more cowbell came out on SNL and I wasn't sure if it was before or after Wayne's World. It was much later. <laughs> it was 2000. I thought it was so much earlier really? than that. Yes. Okay, was... I thought this was like, yeah, late 80s sort of joke. No, I mean, because Jimmy Fallon was on SNL at the time. And so I knew wow. it couldn't have been that old, but I expected it to be in the 90s, not 2000. Okay. Um, so yeah, more cowbell is where I know Christopher Walken mostly from. Although um, my mom really loved the prophecy films back in the nineties, and Christopher Walken played the main character in that, and he had this like signature thing where he would just go shh, and people would fall over dead. Okay. And she loved it, so I'm familiar with that. Um, oh. And he sang in Hairspray. He was he was Tracy Turnblad's stepfather in the movie adaptation of Hairspray. Uh, I have not seen that. It's actually really good. Okay. And, I mean, just in general, everybody knows who Christopher Walken is because he has that, like, unique way of speaking. Yes. Which I'm not even going to attempt to do. Everyone does imitations of... Ryan Reynolds does a good Christopher Walken. I think he did one, like, every single episode of um, Two Girls, A Guy, and a Pizza Place. I never saw that, so... Eh, it's Okay. Um, I have been reminded that we have seen him once before, ever so briefly, in Pulp Fiction, which came out the year after this. Oh. I really don't remember him being in that, but I don't remember a ton about that movie, except for yeah. Say What Again. <laughs> don't. You're just going to get me quoting it all over again. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> all okay. right. Wayne's World 2. So we're hitting up a sequel to a film you particularly enjoyed. Did you enjoy this one? I really didn't. Oh, no. Really didn't. Can you give me a sort of overview on your feelings on why not? I think part of it was the lack of focus. It didn't have... It didn't really have a unified story that I was invested in. So that's the first thing, I think. There were one-off jokes that were funny, but most of the jokes were more crude and offensive than anything else Mm -hmm. and then it just it kind of it leaned into that because they thought that was where the humor really lay lied in in this movie and that was probably because of the script issues they had which i didn't i was unaware of when i watched it but they leaned into the things that they thought would get the biggest laughs Mm -hmm. and that just made for a really crappy movie like i said up in the opening it's a (sighs) patriarchal standards of 90s flicks, you know? We got Wayne once again saying that Cassandra was going to be his. Oh, yes, she is going to be mine, in the quote. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't really take notes on the stuff that I hated because I was just, like, so annoyed by them, so I'm having a hard time remembering specifics. It's really more of a general feeling of, I kind of wish I hadn't seen this movie. Oh, no. <laughs> it's that bad. It, it is. I mean, it's not... Okay, so it's not as bad as Clerks. I was just about to say, if you had to watch this or Clerks... <laughs> Nothing is ever going to be as bad as Clerks. Although, I've been saying that for so long now that I want to rewatch Clerks just to see <laughs> if it still is as bad as I think it is, or if I'm building it up to be that bad in my head. Perhaps we need to do Clerks 2 at some point. Oh, I swore mm. I wouldn't do it, but maybe. Maybe. Honestly, maybe. maybe. Okay. Um... I think I agree with you. 
Oh, it's really hard. I, I have a tough time with this because I'm not sure whether I enjoy it or not. There is a core story in this that I think is really good that is trying to get out. And I think the film doesn't know it. I think they need a couple more passes on the script to get rid of some of the stuff. The, the, the stuff in here, the whole introduction piece that ends with, hey, I'm a year older and I'm getting hair in really weird places. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we'll ignore the fact that Mike Myers is 50 by this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> but at, at the very least, he's, he's, let's say, 19 here. Let's put him as young as he could be and say 19. He's actually probably early 20s, isn't he? Uh, probably. So so that feels a little strange there. But then a few lines later, we have him kind of making fun of Garth, saying Garth finally got his pubes. Mm-hmm. Like, but wait, isn't that the joke you've just done about yourself? Yes. I, and and again, aren't you like at least pretty much five years too late for this? Uh, don't, you know, uh. I well, I tried. Here's what I did before he made the joke about Garth. Go on. Um, I was thinking if you're getting hair in really weird places and you're older, maybe he's getting like long ear hair and nose hair. That could oh, okay. have been it. But then he did the joke about Garth, and I was mm. like, it didn't work. Okay, so he's making a joke about, like, I'm so old now. <laughs> I've got those I was pushy trying, eyebrows, the old man. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was trying to be generous in that moment and, and give that to them. Uh, and then later you get the jokes of Garth talking at the bar and every time an attractive woman pa- walks past, he goes, swing. And it's just, it goes on so long. And I do not believe women who look like that would be at their party. Right. It's, it, there, there's a huge amount of dissonance there. But in the middle of this, there is a story about young men learning responsibility, trying to do something that matches their interests, rock music and presenting and putting on a show for the community that could lead. There there could be a story in here of him learning he can rely on others, that he doesn't have to take care of Cassandra. She can work with him or something Mm -hmm. that that you can learn responsibility at the same time as enjoying yourself, which I think I think might even be one of the messages that's given. But I don't think we get that story, which is the, the IMDb, the, those two synopses you gave. Mm-hmm. The IMDb one is they try to organise a rock concert whilst other things happen. But the story they're actually giving us is, hey, Wayne goes through stuff and he gets visited by this crazy guy and they have a wacky adventure, which is rubbish and doesn't work and isn't funny. Right. Exactly. I wish... So I think my final note in my notes doc, or close to the bottom, was if Wayne has to be told what the lesson was, he didn't learn it. Yes. If the audience has to be told what the lesson was, you didn't tell your story well enough. Yeah. And that's kind of how I came out of this movie feeling. I think you're right. It did have potential, but it feels so rushed that they just couldn't give it... the the time and space that it needed. I mean, they could have if they got rid of all of the, you know, the swing jokes and the whole Kim Basinger storyline needed to not be there. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about that now? Sure. Did you read the thing about why that was in the film? No, I actually, I did not okay. read anything about this movie because when I was done, I wanted to take a scrub brush <laughs> to my brain. <laughs> After the, the script for this version was done... Uh, Dana Carvey was annoyed. Dana? Dana? Dana. Senor Carvey was annoyed because he, um, he wasn't in it very much. So they gave him this plot of this amazingly attractive woman 
seducing him and trying to get him to kill her husband. A plot which goes nowhere, comes to nothing, is ridiculous, it's just a bit weird. It's creepy as fuck. Yeah. She is very predatory. She treats him like a child while seducing him. Mm. And it's very uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, and it, that discomfort, I think, goes both ways. The way the film is objectifying her and making um, Kim Basinger eat this licorice in a way that Nobody no eats sense. licorice like that, yeah. <laughs> and the way she's then, you know, wearing the very skimpy dress and dancing in front of him and all that. It's like, oh, no, we don't need that. And then you just have the ridiculousness of him not knowing and then the next day of, I know, I know the intimacy of a woman. No. Yeah. I think the only good thing that came out of that that little plot bunny is him deciding to throw away the gun and just get the hell out of there. Yes. Um, I'm glad they did that, that they gave him enough self-awareness to recognize this is not a thing I want to be involved in. And so he just leaves. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing didn't need to be there at all. Honestly, it would have been much better if this was a journey of both of these boys, men, sorry, whatever. I don't know how old they are. Both of these characters were trying to figure out their life. And because they're best friends and they have similar passions, they should be doing this together. This should not have been Wayne stock. You know, this should have been something that the two of them came up with together. Yeah. And that could be the thing, calling it Wayne and Garstock at the end or something. Because uh, it does the really good turn where Wayne is split. You know, he wants to go and try to win back Cassandra. And he wants to, to take care of the thing. And Garth says, go take care of the thing you have to take care of. And we'll f- figure it out here. Mm-hmm. And again, that could be part of his thing of not being in Wayne's shadow, taking over and doing his thing. and Yeah, it had potential. Yeah. There, there was a lot here we can take apart and read, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I think you and I could take this movie and like make it a good movie. Yeah. They just were not able to do it. No. And, and on top of that, you know, we're talk, talking about Kim Basinger. Let's talk about the rest of the women in this film. We're going to circle into Tia Carrera at the end, but we've got uh, Drew Barrymore randomly in this film. But of course, she's um, someone from a different country who instantly falls in love with Wayne and wants to sleep with him. Because that's what everybody does for some reason. that's what happens. You have Heather Locklear being objectified in, I think she was in the first one or or her picture was in the first one with the same thing. And then you come to Tia Carrera and every single time there is a scene where Tia Carrera comes into the scene. She's not there from the beginning. It opens with Wayne going, she's so hot. You look so great. You look amazing. Oh, I don't think I noticed that. It, it's it just it's every single time, which in some ways is fine. She's his girlfriend. He's complimenting her. That's okay. But if the lesson is that Cassandra loves you no matter what, I I don't feel the film should minimize her in the way that it does, and it should make her make these decisions that oh, she's marrying her producer on a day's notice, even though she hasn't actually broken up with Wayne, and we've not seen that thing happen. No, Wayne broke up with her. Oh, he does, doesn't he? He does. And then she goes and just uh, instantly marries Bobby. Yeah, I don't we- buy that Cassandra would do that at all. No. Um, the movie just needed it so they could do the, the graduate parody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, see, I think, honestly, I think what the movie is showing us is that Cassandra loves Wayne for who he is, but Wayne doesn't love Cassandra for who she is. He loves yeah. Cassandra because she's hot. Yep. 
and I, I almost worry there's an element of sort of exotic fetishization going on in there. Oh, I said that badly, didn't I? <laughs> fetishization in there. Um, that it's, you know, because she looks a little different from everyone else. Oh God, she's even hotter. Yeah. Okay. I mean, That's I think they, weird. they try to mitigate that because, I mean, again, we had a great scene of, of Wayne speaking Cantonese hmm. in, in this, although. That's true. They went a little bit too far with that in this movie with the fight parody and okay. the dubbing and all of that stuff. Um, but the idea that he approached her father in his native language, I thought that was wonderful. Yeah. It, it had an element of respect and Wayne was being grown up and responsible and it was nice until it just wasn't anymore. <laughs> Interesting. So, so what in that didn't work for you? Because I, I do quite enjoy that that it just turns into a Hong Kong movie. I, I don't know. Maybe it is just that it turns into a Hong Kong movie is the thing that I don't like about it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think, I think it's funny, but I think it goes on for too long. Maybe that's what it is. They lean into it so heavily, and then they they keep it up every time those two communicate in the rest of the movie. They do it with the dubs. Mm. And so it just feels like it went on for a beat too long. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, the bit with the phone in the fight is too much. <laughs> I, I can see the gag they're trying to make, but it does just feel like an SNL sketch. Like, if you had an SNL sketch of a fight that got interrupted by a phone call, it would be fine. Mm-hmm. But then to have all the fight stuff on top of it. And again, Cassandra watching it going, aye. Yes, that when, I needed. You know, there's the great thing of her, like, thumping a guy or something early when she's first introduced in the first film. Yeah, and she punches Wayne in this one. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so her character was inconsistently written. Absolutely. Just, they wrote her based on how she would fit into the gag that they're doing in that moment. Yeah. And I didn't like that. You have left out one woman. Have I? You have. Yeah. Uh, apparently her name was Betty Jo, but I don't think okay. they told us that in the movie. Uh, but she was the girl in the permit office who was basically uh, I- the female version of Garth. Yes. She really didn't get to do much in the movie except stand there. But she was there. Yeah. She absolutely <laughs> was there. I don't think she does anything. I think it is just, oh, Garth has found his perfect woman and he doesn't care how she looks because she is as geeky as him. But is it a bit weird that they look like twins? It is a bit weird. Yeah. Um, although, honestly, I didn't pick up on it at first. When we were first introduced okay. to her, I noticed that she was out of place, kind of in the permit office. Like, I noticed that, her, you know, her hair was kind of unkempt and she just kind of looked like they were doing something weird with her. Right. Like, I noticed yeah. that her mouth did a weird thing, but I didn't put two and two together until the end when she showed up at Wayne's dock. Because she was at that point also wearing the flannel shirt. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and everything and it, and so they leaned into it a little more heavily and it was in that moment that I realized what they were doing with her. Mm-hmm. And I kind of I can appreciate that because while she was intended to be the female version of Garth, she was much more confident and outspoken and well spoken than Garth ever was. Yeah. You know, and so I felt like as a character she was more developed as that sort of person than Garth was. And I wish we had gotten more of her and that we could have seen her and Garth interact more than just those few minutes at the end. Could you have replaced her with a sexy lamp? No. 
No? Did she do anything? I think what I want her to do is more than what she did. Right. Maybe. Because, yeah, it's a nice idea to actually be, you know, he's not... You know, if we're saying that Wayne is influenced by the way the, the girl he's going out with looks, Garth is not, and he meets a nice girl. Who then does something, who helps with the show, who is an asset, who helps him believe in himself, and that's why he's confident enough to take over. Yeah. Because I don't want to see them falling out again. That that would just be too much of the first first film. Although, right. you know, I think we're about to have a conversation about how much the first film is in the second film. But there is a way of doing that story of he is still in his shadow and he's not confident enough to take the lead on things. And then at the end, he does step up. And it can be because he's met someone who helps him believe in himself. Right. Yeah, they had a lot of space to do more there. And I wish they had. Hmm. Tell you what they did that I did quite enjoy, and I think particularly in the context of our show, that there were so many movie parodies in this mm-hmm. that we have directly watched that film. Right. So I'm just going through being like, oh, Mandy will get this now. Mandy will get this now. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have listed here, though, that they parodied Some Like It Hot, and I think I completely missed that one. Can you tell me what they did? It's the wonderful moment. And uh, it's not a wonderful moment. It's bad. It shouldn't be in the film. But it's the moment in the morning when um, Garth has spent the night with Honey. Oh, And he yeah. comes back in with a bubble pipe. Yes. He, Good morning, darling. I yes. hope I wasn't too much of an animal last night. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Absolutely. I was thinking he, that was weird. I was like, and I was like, I know he's like doing something, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. But <laughs> you are absolutely right. <laughs> and and it, it does actually make me laugh. This, you know, the joke of he is now a man. So he behaves like this sort of weird accountant, old, old timey accountant or something. Right, right. Hold me. You know, I will. <laughs> I do think they did the graduate parody too long. Oh, really? Like they, I mean, they did the whole final scene from the car to the church to even getting on the bus. Mm. Like, like they just did it kind of shot for shot all the way through, and that was a little too much. For and actually, me. that that's fair because is it a parody when they are doing the thing? Like the the, the that end sequence of the graduate has the good jokes of. The radio going on the car when they go through the tunnel. The radio then going when he he breaks down. Him having to run for a really long distance. Mm-hmm. So they're doing those jokes again, and those were good jokes when they were written for you know that film that's what thirty years old at this point, right? Yeah. But so they, the, yeah, the gag they of add. the the two churches, like the first Presbyterian and the second Presbyterian, being yes. identical, like that was funny. That was quite funny. I love just that shot of them on either side of the street. Like, okay, that's quite good. Yeah, but we didn't need. <laughs> everything leading up to it and everything that goes after it i think it Mm. was to me it was just too much um and then i couldn't tell in the middle of that like i knew they had already started the graduate parody because they had the car they had the song he stops to get directions yeah and i couldn't figure out and i looked this up and i still don't actually know was that a parody of something or were they just trying to get charlton heston in to do something funny yeah, I don't think it's a parody. I think it is just pure sort of meta humor. Okay. That that you do see in some places, the, the bit in Spaceballs where they kill one of the crew who's filming them, that kind of thing. 
Okay. It's that sort of knowing, you know, we are making a film here. Don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they, they leaned on that a lot in the movie. I mean, they mm. broke the fourth wall a lot. I mean, the first scene, they broke the fourth wall to talk to us. But then, you know, even at the end, do we want the movie to end like this? You know, let's do this. No, we didn't like that ending either. Let's do this. They leaned into that. Yeah. I did like that. Like, that was humorous. I appreciated it. Like, the movie was self-aware about what it was. Mm-hmm. So it it did have a few, like, good things happening. I think just overall, the bad outweighed the good. I, I would agree on that as well. Let's talk that point on the fact the first film appears in this a lot. I, I feel like rather than doing, we're going to make reference to stuff from the first film, but either improve it or just be side reference thing it's shoehorned in like okay we have to have them doing the show and doing the extreme close-up we have to have them playing hockey and saying game on um we have to have a bit of ed o'neill we have to have mm-hmm. and there's just so many bits like that that i'm like uh. well it's funny because i was uh editing our godfather 3 episode yesterday before i watched okay. this and we talked about that a lot with godfather about how they had a checklist of things they had to get to make a Godfather movie. And they did that with Godfather 3. And I was watching this movie last night and I was like, they did the exact same thing. Like the jokes, the, you know, uh, what does a sphincter say? Mm -hmm. You know, the, so there were so many different things and it just felt cheap. Mm -hmm. I think it didn't feel creative. Yeah, I think you used the word clunky earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that's how that feels. Because the sphincter one, a sphincter says what? What? It's, oh, Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's almost the sort of thing I want. Okay, do the joke and the reference in the first one, but then do something different with it. The, the fact that Christopher Walken goes, no, I can see what you're doing. Come on. That one was actually nice. Yeah, yeah. That's that's taking a thing and then and then uh, incrementing it, doing something just a little different. And and but so much of this film isn't. It's just going right. What are people going to want to see that we enjoyed the first one? At least there's no, you know, a song and a headbanging moment. And in this, we have the whole piece at the Aerosmith concert, which is quite good. Mm-hmm. I quite enjoy a lot of the humor there. That setting the guys on hair on fire crowd surfing and a fridge comes over the crowd <laughs> stuff like that it's yeah. quite good yeah well they did do um i was concerned where at the beginning they were all in the car listening to the radio and the shot was set up exactly the mm. same way as bohemian rhapsody was and i was like what are they gonna do now i know it's not bohemian rhapsody they can't possibly do that again and they didn't but they still did the whole they all screamed with the screaming man yeah true thing so again, they they still did something very very similar there, you know. They still had, you know, like you said, the the hockey game, even though it wasn't outside this time. They still had it, and I think honestly, the the thing that got me the most though, and I don't even think they did this on purpose. I'm not sure this was one of those Wayne's World boxes they had to check, mm. but the whole storyline with Cassandra was almost exactly the same as it was in the first one. Right? <laughs> Just Christopher Walken instead of Rob Lowe. Yeah. You know, it's this man, this powerful man, who tells her that he's going to make her career and then steals her from Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> and then Wayne realizes and has to get her back. Like, 
why couldn't they have done something better? Mm. Cassandra is too smart for this. Because in the first one, we were pleasantly surprised that Cassandra figured it out on her own. And she walked away from Rob Lowe. Yeah. In this one, she should have been able to see what was happening. And instead, she marries him? Like, what? And in fact, in the first one, is Rob Lowe going after her? Because he's shown with a girlfriend. And there's the bit with the snake where she's not sure if it's the snake touching her or him. But I'm not sure that's the story. It is just Wayne's jealousy. That's... I I can't remember now. Yeah, I can't. And and I'm just... I can't decide whether I, I think... They're doing something different by having Crystal Walken actually being into her. Because it feels like it, it, like you say, that it is exactly the same. Just now I'm trying to apply some actual thought to it. <laughs> um, it's been too long since we did the first one. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you're right. I can't remember if Rob Lowe was just trying to screw Wayne over mm. with the show or if there was an element with Cassandra as well. And I feel like there was an element with Cassandra, but it could have just been Wayne's jealousy. You're right. Yeah. But either but, but, way, they feel absolutely. very similar. Yeah. It, it It is kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, you could be doing something better here about, uh, you know, the whole idea of you want to do something big, something impressive, but on a show, it's it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And even getting the inspiration in a dream from a rock person is is fine. But then it's also implied at the end that the bands turn up because of Jim Morrison appearing to everyone and sending someone to drive them there. Rather than them actually, you know, Wayne doing the mm-hmm. work and getting the bands there, it is just down to the interventions of metaphysics. Right. Yeah. Mm. Which is a shame. It is. It is absolutely a shame. However, we we are supposed to talk good stuff at some point. <laughs> do you There's have anything more? Yeah. Do you have anything more you want to dig into on it? Um, so I did really like the, the meta joke that they did about the watermelons and the chickens Yes, um, yeah. on the street. Like, well, what are you doing here? Why are all these watermelons here? Oh, our job is to just make sure these watermelons are here. Oh, are you selling them? No, we're just making sure they're here. <laughs> and these other guys, their job is to just walk this pane of glass across the street. And then Wayne stops. <laughs> I wonder if this is going to pay off later. <laughs> and then he runs into them and has to get into the graduate car you know yeah that was genuinely funny like i like the meta moments that it has um and and if they had done more of those and incorporated those into an actual plot it would have been great Mm. instead of me finding just a funny moment here and a funny moment there i really really liked cassandra punching wayne when she realized he had actually been spying on her Mm. that was nice um, and I wish that Cassandra had been the Cassandra that we got the whole movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really sorry that I'm turning my favorite moments into reasons why the rest of the movie was terrible. But she, I, I mean, she is a cool character. She is. And she really is. When she's not written to do stuff supporting Wayne, she mm-hmm. gets, even like all the other stuff, you know, her appearance on The Tonight, the Tonight Show. show. The, nailed it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the Evening Talk Show. Um, Jay Leno, how about that? Jay Leno, thank you. Um, you know, her appearance on that is quite good, and she clearly is good at what she does. Yeah. And everyone sees that she's good at what she does, so... Uh, you know what I thought they were going to do mm. with her appearance on this night show? Because she had already told uh, 
Christopher Walken dude that she had to go back to Illinois because she said she was going to play Wayne stock. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh, I don't know if we're going to do that. I don't know if we're going to do that. You know, I thought she was going to get on the tonight show and say something about Wayne stock on the tonight show. And that was going to be what got people to come. Right. And instead oh, that would have been nice. Yeah. People just showed up for no good reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just seems to be, Oh, but it is a success. Even yeah. But no work into it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Because we don't see them planning the party. We don't see them trying to get tickets out there. There's the one bit where they go to the radio show. Mm -hmm. And And and, they talk uh, about it on their show. Yeah. But there's no actual they put work into it. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no. They go go and see Kevin Pollock at the thing office. But it just just seems to happen in the background where I really want it to be the focus of the... It's just a bit like Mad Men. I don't care about all the, you know, interrelationship stuff. I just want to see them making adverts because that's quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's fair. Yeah. Um, the last thing was Wayne had a line in this one that I actually really liked um, that I expected you to pick and you okay. didn't. Um, and it's just because I've gotten used to you really enjoying these these lines that list things. And Wayne said when he's talking about kind of what he wants to do with his life, he says, what I'd really like to do is something extraordinary, something big, something mega, something copious, something capacious, something kajunga. <laughs> and I was just like, that's a good line. I like it. I mean, it's absolutely silly, but it reminded me of you. Oh. And then you didn't take it. So I took it. So you took it. It's a good list. I, I like lists that go on way too long. Yeah, and I guess this one doesn't quite go on too long. Yeah, it it is good because I, I like the end of Kajunga where he just, oh, I've run out of words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make up a word here. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I thought it was funny. I liked it. But in, in telling us that at the beginning, they are setting up, this is what the, the film is going to be about. We are giving you a, you know, that's his I want song at the beginning of his musical. Mm-hmm. But then it just happens without yeah, any trying. It just kind of, it, it fizzles. Like, we yeah. don't get, like, you need that character development and you need him to lose something before he realizes how important it is to him. And then he needs to, like, work through that conflict to finally triumph. Yes. And none of that happens. And He's just you know, handed this thing. Yeah. It just works. If this had been a coming of age, learning responsibility and behaving more as an adult while still enjoying yourself, awesome. It would work. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, are we hashing all ground? <laughs> yeah. All right. What about you? I know there's something in this movie that you liked. Well, that that said, I have used the line from that bit at the ending. I think I've even used it on the show, the idea of getting your homework done on a Friday, see a Saturday's free to party. Because <laughs> it's a really good line about responsibility. Yeah, it is. And I wish I'd done that all through education. Right. <laughs> But there is a sequence in this that I, I think it's it's not throwaway because they do return to it, but it's something I have imitated many, many times over the years. Because I, I was very age appropriate when this came out. Okay. Absolutely. Early teens. So a lot of this stands for me. And, and the character of Dell, I think, is a wonderful character. I think he's just on the right side of surreal oddness. That it works for me, that I just enjoy him being on street on screen and doing stuff. I just like listening to him talk. Yeah. He has this like his I can't like his his accent, I don't know where 
in the UK that accent comes from. It's different from yours. It's different from Catherine's. But his voice doing it is very melodic. Mm -hmm. And it's just nice to listen to. Yeah. Uh, And the character was in, the the actor was in a film called With Nail and I. And apparently this is basically the same character. Mm. Now, it has been years since I've seen With Nail and I, and I cannot remember it. So I might have to dig that out and rewatch at some point. But there was a bit where he's telling a story. Uh, And there's something in the story that I love as well. So we'll we'll return to that. But just the way he does it. And I I break this out at completely random moments (laughs) when someone said something even a little bit similar of just, they've got this bloody great Bengal tiger. Well, I took out the tiger with a can of mace, but the shopkeeper and his son, well, that's a different story altogether. I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. But I got the M&Ms and Ozzy went on stage to do a great show. And it's just so, like, like you say, the sort of lilting quality to it. I uh-huh. had to beat them to death with their own shoes. <laughs> uh, that is a wonderful turn on a story as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what about the bit where he is telling people where they're going to be for the show, like in front of the house or behind the house, and he brings out the machine gun? Yeah. Yeah, you see, exactly. The, just the, the oddness of what he does. Because you don't see that coming. It, it is very far into the surreal, even for this film. Right. So I like that. I couldn't tell if that was parroting something or if they were just being weird. I don't think so. I mean, it's parroting planning for war heist type thing, but I, I don't think it's anything specific. It's just, it's called of like, now these babies tend to heat up, so fire in three second bursts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But the 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 thing that I particularly love about this cuz cuz the the idea of color specific M&Ms is a sort of rock myth. Mhm. And I'm I, have I ever told you the history to the colored M&Ms? Um I don't think you specifically have, but I know that I well, I know one of the stories at least. Okay. So so the the, the sort of fact in inverted commas behind it is that there is a band and I'm going to say Van Halen but now I'm worried it's like Def Leppard or another, you know, surname band. Um, go on. I, I was actually going to say I thought it might have been Led Zeppelin. It's. I don't think it's Led Zeppelin. Maybe it is Van Halen. Yeah, Van Halen. It's weird, one of them. A, 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 a you know one syllable, multiple syllable surname. Um, <laughs> but they had in their rider to have a bowl of M&Ms with a specific colour taken out. No brown M&Ms, for instance. Mm-hmm. And the idea being, it was an indicator of, has this um venue taken all of our rider into consideration and done all the things? Or could there be issues? Because right. they'd had one where they hadn't sorted the stage out. And apparently, I think the drummer fell through the stage when all the equipment it collapsed under the equipment. Right. Yeah. Somebody had gotten hurt. And so... Mm. People, because of that, they put this really bizarre request in there just to make sure it got done. Yeah. But it's it's a really good way for them to just look and go, oh, there's no brown M&Ms. They must have done it properly. Right. It's actually quite clever when you dig into it. Yes. Absolutely. But, but I have done, um, particularly in the era of, you know, if I'm playing rock band and guitar hero, I have done rock evenings where we do lots of songs and eat lots of pizza and cake and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did bowls of color-specific M&Ms. Nice. It's quite it's quite relaxing to just sit there for an hour, just emptying bags of M&Ms into specific colors. Yeah. Well, did you see they did that in this? 
Mm. They had they were sitting there and there was like a bowl of yellow M&Ms and a bowl of green ones and they were separating them out. Yeah. Which was nice since he told this story at least twice in the movie. Yeah, I, the the return to it is also quite good because they're trying to get away, but they're also trying to be nice to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're mouthing it behind him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. <laughs> See, it's just it is the sort of thing you can just bust out as like finishing off a story. Yeah, yeah. Bloody great Bengal tiger. <laughs> All right, I I think that we have beat this movie to death with our own shoes. Yes, yeah. So, let's talk about what's coming up for PCD. So, uh, we are now going back to the Bing Weekly. We've gotten through the holiday new job. There are things we need to get done stage. Yes. Um, We have got some guests coming up. We do. I'm excited. We, We have decided, I have been told there is going to be some reverse... PCD with films that I've not seen before? Yes. Yes. Yes, there is. Apparently so. You know how we did Disney Month in November? This is going to be Matthew hasn't seen this movie. Yes. July. <laughs> June. Oh, July. That, July. That, that trips off the tongue. It does. <laughs> <sighs> yes, July is the month of movies Matthew hasn't seen. That's mm. a little better. How about that? Yay. Um, I think we've got five lined up for that period. We do. It's a long month. Is there anything on that list that you are particular? What are you most looking forward to me watching? Oh, good gracious. I'm excited about all of them. Um, Go on. You, but you I, have to pick one. I, well, if I have to pick one, it's going to be the sweetest thing. Okay. Because that was the movie that I asked you about that kicked off this whole idea. Right. And, and, and is that is that because it's a film you love or because you're interested in my take on it? I actually really, really like it a lot. Okay. okay. Because it's it's not your typical rom-com. And I don't think you're going to understand that until you see it. But okay. um, it's funny because we've got it going up against like the one the week after that is 27 Dresses, which is your absolute formulaic rom-com. Um, okay. And the sweetest thing is not that at all. I, I think 27 Dresses was the one we both agreed on. Basically, there's two films you really want me to see, two films I'm interested in seeing, and one that we kind of agreed on in the middle. Yes, I think okay. so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I'm even more in- excited about The Sweetest Thing now because it's got Christina Applegate in it. And I just started watching, um, she has a new show that dropped on Netflix yesterday called Dead to Me. Mm. And it's got some very, very dark humor in it. And it reminds me kind of of this a little bit. Although this doesn't really have dark humor. You're just going to have to watch it. But needless to say, I'm excited about it. Okay. Cool. And to try to manage our future schedule, we don't want to have to miss out any weeks for anyone in the future. We have been asked by a few people to revisit some of the older films that we've seen. Does that make sense? Older films. It's not older films. Older episodes? To revisit films we watched in older PCD episodes? Uh, Yeah. Something like that? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I had actually briefly mentioned doing this back on, on Patreon several months back, and then my schedule got crazy and I wasn't able to do it. So we are now talking about doing them occasionally in the main feed for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I think that's going to be a great way for us to actually get it done, is if we just 
schedule it on the show, you know, because there there are movies that we need to go back and revisit, like Thelma and Louise and Pulp Fiction. And now we're talking about Clerks. Mm-hmm. You know, let's go back to these movies and see if either of our experiences and feelings about those movies have changed since yeah, the first I think time. Yeah, mm. And so we'll do a bit of a talk about them. We'll reissue the older episode. Um, so you will, we'll, we will call it something. Probably mm-hmm. PCD Revisited, I would imagine, is the obvious one. Probably, um, yeah. So you can see what's changed, but you know what's coming for that episode. Um, we know we've had a number of new listeners lately, so if you haven't listened to the back catalogue, this is a good way to hear some of the uh, the classic PCD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back back when we had microphones held together by sellotape. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think we we won't have one of those until later in the summer, but we will start doing that. They are coming. If there's anything that we covered ages ago that you want to know our feelings on it now, do drop us a message. We're interested to know what people want to hear about. Absolutely. And then just to wrap up, one comment about Wayne's World 2 from a listener and friend of the show, at Inferior Caitlin on Twitter. She says, what does there even say about Wayne's World 2? They tried to catch the charm of the first film. They failed. They threw in some racism. And then Aerosmith show up. I'd watch that film. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure it's even that good. <laughs> yeah, you know, we didn't even talk about how this this giant concert festival that was supposed to be Waynestock ended up just being an Aerosmith concert. Yeah, they they show other bands turning up, but you did oh. kind of expect Aerosmith were going to be the the main thing in it. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. Wayne's World too, everybody. And, and I think because they, oh, there was a thing about how they actually filmed that in sequence at an Aerosmith concert. And Mike Myers and Dana Carvey showed up in like full costumes; so they could be filmed doing stuff. Okay. So that was that was how they got that going. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. Pop Culture Deprived is completely funded by listeners like you through our Patreon page. Anything you can give, even $1 a month, it gives access to exclusive content and it helps to support the network and it helps to develop new shows. If you want to find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And don't forget to visit our homepage where you can find all the other shows and blogs and things and whatnots that we do for the network. We'll be back next week with another episode where we'll talk about Willow with Rachel Newberry. Until next time, I'm Andy Kay. And in the event of capture, I will personally distribute these cyanide capsules to be placed under the tongue like so. <laughs> <laughs>